0: Enter now the Age of Apocalypse, sugar, with your hosts, Free and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the Age of Apocalypse. Oh my gosh, Ian, it is so wonderful to have you on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Happy to be here.
0: Man, I remember when the Morrison era was kicking off and you were on Uncanny and it was such a vibe. It was such a vibe.
1: It was, it was great fun to be there at the time, from what I remember of it. Um, it was a long time ago now. It's what, 22 years ago? Something like it's that? It's been 22 years. Yeah, pretty sure it was around 2000, 2001, something like that. Yeah. Well,
0: that era of comics, I think why it's so special is because I, I grew up on, on the comics and yeah. I read them religiously up until probably zero tolerance around there. And then I ended up leaving, but I came back during that Morrison era and, okay. and I was reading Morrison and then, and then I, I read uncanny and your art. I was like, I think, I think this is the same guy who did cable number 20 or the, it, yeah, yeah. and, and, and I was just like, I just loved. I mean that that time I just loved so much because it was like a reintroduction to the books.
1: Okay, yeah, no, it was it was a good time, and uh, it was a completely different take what Grant and Frank were doing on the X Men. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, let, let, I want to I want to dive deep into your comic book history here, and, and and have our listeners get a chance to get to know you. Okay. What, what was the first comic book you ever picked up?
1: That would have probably been either Mighty World of Marvel, which was a British reprint of the American stuff from the 60s, or it would have been a Super Spider-Man issue, which again was a reprint, or it would have been Captain Britain, which was original stories written by Chris Claremont, and uh, drawn by Herb Trimp or Trimpy and inked by Fred Keder. Um So that it would be one of those three, probably, it was with the first comic that I picked up. The first sort of like superhero inspired book or or graphic novel ish type thing would have been a, a Marvel Man annual when I was probably about six, five or six. My grand. Picked it up at a jumble sale, which I suppose is like a yard sale in America, isn't
0: it? Yeah, no, that is. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, and that was my first introduction to superheroes and comics in in general. And I, I, I remember just liking the really bright colors um, and uh, and the uh, the powers, especially flying at the time. Yeah, yeah. So that, <laughs> that, that, that would have been probably one of the first comics I picked up, it would have been one of those three.
0: You know, it, it's really interesting when I talk to people who are not uh, newer comic book fans. We grew up having to go to garage sales. What did you call them? Jumbo sales?
1: Jumble, J-U-M-B-L-E, jumble. Jumble, sales.
0: jumble sales. <laughs> I put over because <laughs> it's like jumbles of stuff, you
1: know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's how you discovered these superheroes and these comic books. And in my case, my cousin gave me one of the FLIR Ultra trading cards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, modern readers, they 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 get to go on the internet or they watch a movie and they discover everything about the characters. But we literally had, we were of a time that we had to go to a garage sale, a jumble sale, and, and, and pick up something. And that curiosity is sort of what entices you to keep going forward with it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, totally. There's lots of different ways into comics, but that just happened to be my way in and then uh, like I say the reprints you could get pretty easily in the local news agent um, so I I sort of like had my weekly comic book fixed because they came out weekly rather than monthly um, and uh, in the reprints it was a selection of different Marvel uh, stories and characters so it'd be like Uh, maybe five pages of Fantastic Four, five pages of Spider-Man, what have you. And you just, you know, have that every week, drip fed to you. So it was was a great way to grow up. (laughs) And when I was a kid, um, there was no other access to superheroes. I mean, there was a handful of television shows, but not many. Um, I think there was the incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman um, was on TV when I was a kid. Um, But, you know, and Superman came out in seventy eight. But aside from that, there was no other access to superheroes. So the only way you could get to them was through comic books. And I love superheroes. So that's, that's really what got me into comics.
0: Do you have a specific memory from Marvel that, you, that happened early on in, in, your, in your fandom?
1: Yeah, there would have, it would have been the X-Men when Byrne and Claremont were on it. And I think it was the two-part murder world. Um, was it murder world? Well, it was it was during the murder world bit, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: The white, was the White Queen? It was one of the, around that sort of like run. Yeah. When when Arcade was in it and uh, the White Queen and the Hellfire Club, there was I was struggling to, uh, to find the issues every month. And because uh, at that point, I was going to the local news agent and trying to sort of like root around on on the floor with all the comics and try and find them. And uh, I remember trying a different news agent and finally finding one that I was after. And that that, that, that was after that, um, I went to a comic convention in London and got talking to this guy that um, did like a mail order service. So from that point on, I knew I wasn't going to miss any uh, issues because I, I put like a rolling subscription on, on the X-Men so that they would come to me without fail.
0: I I love, though, that you were searching for the Dark Phoenix Saga and Murder World <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stories.
1: <laughs> I'm old. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, n- no, no I mean, I'm not too far <laughs> behind. I to, to be very clear, I'm not too far behind. But yeah. I, what was it like reading those stories as they were happening and now seeing... How iconic they are, and like Dark Phoenix Saga, for example, like yeah. that is like the gold standard for an X Men story. And and you were able to hunt out and get those comics. Like, what was the vibe? Was it just?
1: It was terrific. It was it was excruciating and frustrating that you had to wait a whole month before you could read the next bit. Um, but I was loving it. I love John Byrne's artwork. I love Chris Claremont's writing. I, I just loved every bit about it and uh um it's it's happy days, happy memories, thinking back to then, you know, h- rooting around hunting down the issues until I finally found a way of getting them. I recently got the um the IDW book, um oh, yeah. which is, which has got the collected, you know, the John Byrne and Chris Claremont stories. Uh fantastic. So it's it's like full-size original artwork reproductions of of that whole. You know, sort of like selection of comics, it's fantastic So you open the, the the cover up you like, <laughs> He drew that, and, he, and it, you can see the brush strokes and and, and oh, it's just and the pencil lines going over the edges and it's just oh, it's astonishing just to look at
0: it is is that where the seeds were planted for you wanting to become an artist, seeing like John Byrne's art? And, and and just having such an appreciation and it resonating with you
1: that was one of them yeah um I think the, the first time I can remember seeing an artist's work and thinking that's what I'd like to do was probably John Romita senior did a, a run on Captain America in the early 70s and that was reprinted in the British weeklies that I was just telling you about mm-hmm. um and I remember there was a page. It was during the, um, the storyline with uh, the Grey Gargoyle. Oh, yeah. The, the Falcon and Captain America against the Grey Gargoyle. And there was a page where Steve was on a motorcycle. And I always loved motorcycles when I was a kid and I still do now. And Steve was on the motorcycle and he was riding it down the alleyway. And there were some construction workers doing something on the ground and he had to avoid it at high speed. So he did some sort of flip on the bike and rode along the side of the wall and then came back down again. And I thought that was just the best thing I'd ever seen ever. And it dawned on me that someone drew this because up until then, I just saw everything in my head like it was a movie or a TV show. And 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 even though I knew I was reading it, looking at it, it kind of. It stayed with me like I'd been watching a show. Um, but it was around that time. I would have probably been about seven. It just suddenly occurred to me that someone wrote and drew it um, rather than it just magically appearing. And I thought, I want to do that. And then I realised that John Romita Sr. drew Spider-Man mm. a lot. So I started, you know, and they'd, they'd been in the weeklies as well. But it was, it was just, you know, the penny had dropped and I, re- I could recognise his style. On Spider-Man as well as this Captain America story that i had been reading, um, and then that's that's when I knew what I wanted to do, and I wanted to work for Marvel. And then and then, and then obviously when Byrne started joining the X-Men, I was just blown away. I've, I've always loved his stuff. I I kind of gravitate towards what I consider pretty art, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Byrne's stuff is very pretty to look at. So um, the comparison I I would put. Um, you know, if you put Byrne next to uh, Miller, I would prefer Byrne because it's prettier to look at. Miller's stuff is very visceral and very um, well executed storytelling-wise, as is Byrne's. But Byrne's is just prettier to look at, from my perspective. Yeah, uh, that's just just a, a
0: comparison. No, no, and and seeing, knowing your art. And knowing that Byrne was one of those early inspirations for you, I totally see the influence there in you in very strong, beautiful images. I mean we'll get into it later on, but cable twenty i mean that's gorgeous art you know same with same with your run on uncanny and 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 so much of your work and you see it there and you see that influence so my my question though so you, you you're you're reading that issue with Romita and you're like I want to do that do you, what was the next step who was the do you remember which? who was the first character you drew like
1: so, what first Marvel character the,
0: oh no no just like the first thing you ever drew like, um, you're like Batman,
1: probably probably, probably Spider-Man, or Captain America or Captain Britain and I would have been around seven or eight I would have thought um uh, yeah I mean I drew stuff before that but I you know, um, I think the earliest picture I've still got was from probably about four, <laughs> uh, uh, but that was just mostly scribble, basically. I mean, <laughs> a bit like that. Um, but no, I, I think uh, yeah, it, it would have probably been Spider-Man because that was the character that I was reading the most when I was little. I suppose. Um, so I was always drawing something. Always yeah. drawing
0: something. So in interviews, you've spoken about how, when you were younger, Marvel really resonated with you, but as you've gone older, you've had a deeper appreciation for DC. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just curious why that was, what's your perspective on that?
1: Uh, it's probably, I mean, it's not down to the characters. It was probably just down to availability. And, like I was saying with the uh, the weekly comics and the reprints, Marvel had a much bigger presence in my neck of the woods over here than d c did so I'd, I'd find the occasional d c comic american d c comic knocking around but the majority of the time it was the marvel reprints um and so I just had a a better appreciation of of Marvel really when I was uh growing up in my formative years once. Once I got a bit older and, and comics were easier to get hold of, I started to, uh, to collect some of the, the DC stuff. Um, I was always a big Superman fan. And I, I did manage to get a few Superman annuals when I was a kid from Jumble sales and things. Um, uh, what else did I like? Uh, Teen Titans, uh, Perez and Marv Wolfman on, uh, on Teen Titans. Um, I've still got pretty much a complete run of that um collected over the years um which i bought at the time again you know and 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 of course when the x-men uh crossed over with the teen titans i was blown away that walt simonson thing i was just like bloody hell that's fantastic
0: dark side dark phoenix robin cyclops like it's it was next level i I've read the issue throughout the years multiple times. I can never quite hold the plot in my head. Doesn't matter. It looks incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it looks gorgeous. That cover. All those characters interrelating with each other is just oh, you know man.
0: that's fantastic. We, we can never get something like that again today. You know, um, it it was something that was so unique to a, a specific era. Yeah. In, in other interviews, though, you you you've talked about how. You know, you were bullied at school, and comic books were sort of a, a gateway for you to to help cope with that. Did the did the mutant metaphor with the X Men ever really help you during that time?
1: To a certain degree, I suppose. I mean, when you get bullied, you have to find your own way through it, and you know, comics aren't really going to help. They, I think, um, I could relate to some of the characters in comics, especially Spider Man, Peter Parker. Because from, from my perspective, you know, I was getting bullied. I was still at school, you know, and he was, you know, in his earlier stories, obviously, you know, high school and, uh, and getting bullied by Flash Thompson. So I, I could relate to that. But I, I think, you know, as far as bullying goes, you, you do have to find your own way through it. And, and I did. And while I wish it had never happened, I, you know, at the same time, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it hadn't happened. So there's, there's, there's an upside to some aspects of you know, um, it inspired me to take up martial arts. I became a black belt in karate, you know, and, and that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been, you know, in, in some sticky situations. So, um, there's always positive that comes out of the negative. You just got to sort of like grit your teeth and push your way through, I think. Um, but it, you know, reading, spider-man and the x-men it was a nice escape you know even when you're not trying to relate to characters in the stories it was it was a good way of just um of escaping escapism in, in general
0: have you have you watched no way home yeah not yet okay okay then you no, mom, it.
1: It.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna spoil it at all forget it i was i was gonna, I was gonna ask you go and see it
1: but over here there is still restrictions as far as the cinema goes and gotcha you have to sit with one of those masks on all the way through and it's a long movie. So I don't, I don't really fancy that once, once they relax the restrictions and I don't have to wear a mask all the way through the uh, performance, they're not going to see it. (laughs) How how do you think
0: the comic book industry has morphed with blockbusters like No Way Home and some of the other Marvel movies?
1: Um, The comic book industry itself. I don't think, uh, mm, it's a tough one. Um, I think from the people that sort of like create the comics, we'd all love it if everybody that went to the cinema to see the movies would go and buy the comic book that related to that particular movie or franchise, but that just doesn't happen, unfortunately. Um, I think, uh Obviously, you know, the comic book industry has been slowly shrinking over the years. And I think, that, I think that still is the case. And I think we all hoped that the success of the movies would bolster the comic book industry. But it doesn't seem to have happened. Um, I think as far as um, comics go, um, with the success of some of the TV shows as well, I think comics are starting to be written more like their TV shows rather than the way they were in the old days you know, being written as comic books, um, which in some ways is good, in some ways is not so good. Um, I preferred, probably because it's what I grew up with, I preferred the old way of, of, of writing a comic book. But, uh, I, you know, some of the, some of the modern stuff I, I really quite like as well. So it's, it's, it's you know, swings and roundabouts, really. It's, it's what you personally prefer.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, I think about when I was growing up, and how, you know, reading comic books, you were kind of like a nerd, nerd, you know, like that's what they always said. And now people know who Rocket Raccoon is.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: It, it's so mind blowing because now these now everyone knows who these characters that's a, are.
1: That's a very good point. And it's it's kind of that's the one thing that the uh, the uh, the big budget um, Marvel movies, DC movies have done is, is kind of... Uh, and um, get these characters into the public consciousness. Yeah. Um, because when I grew up, I was considered a nerd, very nerdy mm. and very geeky because I liked comics and because I liked mm. superheroes and it's far more acceptable these days. It's not, it's like geek chic now, isn't it? Yeah. Know? Oh, it's so geek chic. <laughs> um,
0: before they, they wouldn't let you sit at the table because they're like the lunch table because you were the nerd nerdy kid. Now everyone wants you at the table so you can explain uh, Wanda Vision to 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 someone to to explain what's going to happen with the X Men and theories and it is such a different landscape and I can only imagine that like when Marvel was just a publisher now they're owned by um, Disney and then Warner Brothers owns DC they have all of this like power behind it now and the industry just feels so radically different it's just insane it's you know but, but you know the, the, even though that
1: there is a wider appreciation for the characters mm-hmm. um the people that go to the movies and like those characters are still gravitating towards the movie versions not towards the comic book versions you know so there, there may be a bigger fan base for marvel characters but it's for the movie versions of those characters rather than the comic books which you know is to be expected but I, th- I you know i think a lot of people in the comic industry just Really wish that it would cross pollinate a bit more, so yeah. it, you know, we'd see some of the love. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, preach on that. I, I agree. Speaking of the movies, f- favorite MCU film?
1: Um, I loved the the uh, the Captain America ones. I like yeah. all of those. Um, oh my god.
0: I'm really Winter Soldier was
1: so great. Uh, well, yeah, Winter Soldier was good. I actually liked the first one. I thought that was really good.
0: Oh, yeah, that was great, too. Uh,
1: that was a lot one. like the first Superman movie in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And, uh, but, you know, all of those Captain America ones I loved. Um I've, I'm rather partial to um, the Doctor Strange one as well. I love the Doctor Strange uh, movie and uh, and the Ant Man one as well. I love Ant Man. <laughs> I like them all basically, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be either one of the Captain America ones or Doctor Strange.
0: Yeah, no, I mean the, Well, Doctor Strange. I mean th- that's another one. Doctor Strange, a character who was, I mean, he's never been like D or C list, but he's definitely not been at the level he is right now mm-hmm. in conversation. And obviously, he's in No Way Home. And then we have Doctor Strange. You know. Two coming out, yeah. and it's just it warms my heart when like my buddies call me up and they're like, "Did you see Doctor Strange in this movie?" You know, in End Game or Infinity War, and it's just like a whole new terrain with that, and I, I it's exciting for the possibilities. I agree with exactly what you said about like I wish some more of that love would translate into like the comic book properties themselves, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it, it's an interesting time. Yeah. To be a fan, and what's also really interesting is that hopefully the X Men will be coming into the MCU soon. So,
1: fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, fingers
0: crossed on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. it'd be yeah. interesting to see how it does cross over into the uh, the MCU on on screen because you know the Fox movies great. Um, it was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, Fox. it was Fox. Yeah, the uh, Fox movies were great and and of their time. So it'd be interesting to see. Marvel's approach to it rather than, you know, uh, going through the second party, so to speak, <laughs> you know, straight, straight from the horse's mouth. Kind straight of. from
0: the horse's mouth. Yeah. Is, is there a particular X character that you bonded with? Uh,
1: X-Men character. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> what, from when I was reading it when I was a kid or, 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 um, hmm. working on it or, when I, when I was reading comics, The original team, I used to like Cyclops. Oh, yeah. Because I've always gravitated towards authoritative um, figures, I guess, as far as comics go. I like Captain America. I like Captain Britain. I like Cyclops. I like Reed Richards. I like the people that are in charge. Um, So maybe I'm a bit of a control freak. I don't know.
0: (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that nothing no, wrong with that
1: no but uh yeah Cyclops in the original team and Wolverine in the uh, the new team the newer team you, you know the, the, um, the new x-men um yeah I, I yeah I, I always liked the beast, oh. liked the beast. Yeah, both, both incarnations you know in the Hank McCoy's yeah. you know, big hands and human looking and also the furry beast um and I liked it when he became an Avenger um yeah i've I've always liked the beasts i always um at one point i really wanted to fly and so angel became
0: angel i you know you're you're describing what so many of us feel which is like your favorite x-men like changes daily Right, mm. and it, it's all dependent on your mood. I will say, though, notoriously in in the power of X Men community, we hate Beast because <laughs> <laughs> we think Beast is a crazy, sociopathic, self obsessed lunatic who is oh, doomed. Become, right,
1: I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> like earlier Beast, not oh, yeah. earlier Beast. We
0: love earlier Beast, except so we asked the I, I've asked a couple of people who work on the books, and specifically Jordan D. White. No one can ever answer this question, so I will give you the courtesy. Where did he get his PhD from?
1: Well, there's a question.
0: <laughs> Where, so he's not really a doctor. He's not really a doctor. And so he's going around claiming a, being a doctor, and you know, it's all in good that, fun.
1: Isn't that why he was at the, um, the Academy for gifted Youngsters in the first place? Exactly. Surely, surely Professor X has got some sort of credentials that he can bestow okay. the PhD on the beast.
0: You know what? That is actually probably the best response I've, I've gotten. You're right, he possibly does have credentials to be able to imbue beasts with that doctor. Yeah. Thank you for fixing this. That yeah. is a perfect answer.
1: Happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> that clears <laughs> up. Yeah.
0: That clears it up. That's done. We're boom. Yeah. Um. So, thinking of the X Men, but also I know that you know you bonded with you know so many more characters. But on on Marvel side, is there like a specific look as an artist? Is there a specific look from a character that um, you would love to change? You know, looking back on it, just with that editorial eye.
1: Pretty much most of the characters from the '90s, I would said. Mm. There, there wasn't a good look. Going on most of the time in the '90s, I think. For uh, I, the thing that sticks out for me is Thor's crazy costume with the bare chest or the spikes sticking out of it, and um, all sorts of weird and wacky. Oh, Wonder Woman's costume in the '90s was dreadful, wasn't it? Like, like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Some some of them. She went through a phase when it um, it went from the regular costume to like this funked up costume, same, same with a lot of costumes back then. Oh, <laughs> it, I'm it, looking it, at that now, yeah. That they were tweaking costumes just for the sake of it, rather than the really yeah. real reason. G- going back to the X-Men, I loved it when all of a sudden Wolverine showed up with a new costume and, and Nightcrawler said something along, like, why, why the new threads? And he said, why not? And I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah, no, no necessary explanations, no reasons why he had to change from the, the yellow and black to the, uh, to the brown and, and uh, orange costume. Just, he just fancied a change, and I quite like <laughs> that. It was just so, so matter-of-fact. Um, There's no big deal built up around it. I thought that was a nice approach as, as far as changing things.
0: When did you, did you start entering comics in in the 90s? When did you start working at Marvel? Do you remember
1: your, the first- It was the 90s. It was the 90s. You know, I'm I'm part of the (laughs) program. I'm part of the program.
0: Hey, listen- in my eyes and in so many of our eyes you are not part of the problem your <laughs> art is gorgeous that goes without saying you know we we played it a little close to the 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 chest that you were going to be on and and the people I told and got some questions from were oh, so excited you know, know. Uh, so so you're not part of the problem but I, I am curious I, I was definitely
1: part of the 90s set um, <laughs> uh, get the uh cable 20 you were talking about yeah um, I would have been probably 24 25 when that came out something like that
0: dude um, so yeah you're a baby
1: i was a baby i was a baby um and uh and so that was very firmly in the 90s yeah um i think i think my first my first work was a backup strip in an x-men annual with scotland Dell. Yeah. and that well, was a beast story funny enough so I, <laughs> I was really happy because it was beast and i like the beast <laughs> and, and, and that was my first uh first paid job and that was fantastic and then i think i did um i think deadpool came after that probably. yeah yeah yeah
0: you've you've <laughs> made a very compelling case for hank mccoy by the way today I saw it. not many guests can but he was your first paying gig and you saw yeah. the riddle of his phd <laughs> on the cup, co- that wasn't guys at home. I didn't even give him that question about beast. I didn't even think we would talk about Beast today at all. And you literally came up with that on the spot. I mean, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a bow <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, part of the reason why I keep referring to cable number 20 is that we are rereading age of apocalypse mm-hmm. for, for the for the season of the podcast. And cable number 20 is just my God, I mean, I think for me that that's the end of Legion Quest. It's probably one of the best issues the X-Men have ever turned out. Like a large part of that is because of your art. And I, I'm just curious, Like, did you did you have a sense that it was going to be that big, that it was going to have this longevity and like be part of the perennial X stories? Like the second that Crystal is coming for them, and the I, entire team. I have so many questions about how you did that. Is I have no idea.
1: I have no idea. I, I literally, I think I'd just finished Deadpool. And I needed another assignment. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. I didn't know who would be writing it. Um, you know, I wasn't overly familiar with Cable. Um, and uh, it just turned out that Jeff was writing it. Um, and uh, I got this plot through. I, I think it was back in the days when they faxed the plot rather than, uh, <laughs> rather than emails before email and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the, the fax plot came through. I think they sent it via FedEx as well. Um, and I thought, this is fantastic. This is a great story. Because um, I like character beats. I like character moments. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally... Up for all the wham-bam sort of like high octane um, fights and explosions and all that sort of stuff too. But I I prefer quieter scenes where it explores you know motivations and things. Um, and it's more challenging as well. C- trying to draw people talking in from very different positions all the time without repeating yourself is a bit of a challenge. I quite quite enjoy that challenge. Um, and there were a lot of moments like that through it and. Um, and it, it gave me a chance to stretch because, you know, i would not been drawing comics for that long. I wasn't that good. I mean, looking back on it, I was I was I was competent enough to get work.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm sorry. This this art is absolutely stunning.
1: It's I mean, I appreciate that. you that. Yeah. <laughs> for, me, for me, that's looking back at old work. And I feel that I'm a much better artist now than I was back then. So it, it looks a bit crude to me um plus yeah. plus i um i naturally draw in a in a more sort of like cartoony way and when i first got into comics it was suggested to me um that if i drew more like jim lee and sort of like kind of hardened things up and sharpened edges off and stuff i'd get more work which worked out really well and i was i was finding my way through that when i was drawing that so um that's that's how i look at it you know I don't look at it the same way you look at it I look at it as a a learning experience and I was trying to learn on the job as I was going along um and I was just very lucky to be working with Jeff at the same time and uh I remember really enjoying working on that I I I remember drawing the page for Gambit sitting down smoking his cigarette and and I remember drawing that page now, like I was drawing it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, right there. That's, the That's the one. And, and with uh, with Rogue, yeah, I um, I was thinking body language. I was thinking try and make it cinematic as possible within the confines of a comic book story and panels, panel yeah. storytelling stuff. Um, which when we got to the, the the kissing page, the double page spread of um, of uh, Cable and Domino. Um, I just wanted to make that as different to every other kissing scene. Yeah, the proportions are all over the place, but oh. that, that was that was the style back then, so I, I don't oh. feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> it served me well as well, but um, I wanted to make it as, as, as different to every other kissing scene that I'd seen before that. Um, so I, I did spend a fair amount of time just, you know, sketching and resketching and to get that right. Um, or as right as it could be within the amount of time that I had to draw it because it was a very tight deadline. Um, I, I got it very last minute and, um, <clears throat> I think I did a good job with that. I, I, I gave that to Jeff. He still got it on his wall at home. Um, because of, of that entire issue, that's two pages that he wanted was the kissing one. So I said, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and he's still, still got it on his, on his wall at home now, as far as I know. Um, and then after that, because um, uh, it was initially just going to be one issue of cable, mm-hmm. um, and then, I, as far as I understand it, uh, they were trying, because Steve Scross was drawing it up to them, I think, and he was going off to do X-Men, and they needed someone else to continue. And Jeff was prepared to carry on doing it. And he was talking to editorial, which I think was Lisa Patrick, if my memory serves properly. And uh, he said, well, what about this kid, Ian? You know, he did a great job on 20. Would he be interested? So she contacted me and asked if I'd be interested in doing the ongoing. And I said, yeah, absolutely. No problem. I'd love to. Um, you know and especially as a you know I'd only been in comics for a small amount of time and any work is good work and I just wanted to take whatever gigs they'd, they'd throw at me so I, I took it with open arms you know and it, it was a way of of learning on the job and, and, and on an ongoing basis and, and refining what I did um, I mean the deadlines were always really tight but it was Really good fun when you're young, you just you know, you've got so much power energy through, power, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, and it was only then that I, I um, found out that Jeff used to write um movies, you know, did Team Wolf and Commando and and stuff like that. And uh, and that blew me away as well. You know, that I was working with this chap that um wrote all these um adventure films that I'd seen, yeah, you know, and stuff. So that that was pretty cool. Um and I thoroughly I really had a great time on cable. I, I really
0: it shows in the art. I mean, you can tell you were having I know you were learning and you look back on it, and, and of course you're you know, you you know you're you've evolved, but reading it as, as just a reader growing up, like the, the issue was just so cable 20 was so profound. The the, the rest of your cable run, the, the issues you did were so powerful and and epic and and I'm curious what the, so you, you're, you're 25, 26, and you're coming into the X office during age of apocalypse where everything is getting like revamped. Did you, did you know what was happening? Wait, no, no? did they not loop you in? They didn't send you a FedEx. with
1: The artist is always the last to know. It's always the writers that know that sort <sighs> of thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know anything. I, um, I was very happy to be getting consistent work. Um, cable that issue of cable I thoroughly enjoyed um, as I did the uh, the ongoing series as well and, and that went through a series of uh, artistic changes within myself you know mm-hmm. because um, like I said I was still trying to find my way and uh, Joe Maderera suddenly became huge and oh, yeah. I started moving towards drawing more like him so some throughout my cable run, it, it kind of veered. It started off looking a bit Jim Lee and then it went kind of more It was always me underneath, but you know, the finesse and, and finish was sort of, I kind of moved towards the prevailing trend at the time, let's say, um, I don't do that anymore. Um, but it served me well. It, it, well, no, I I, I used okay. to work in
0: publishing. They they It's all about comps, you know, what, yeah. what can you be like? I'm sorry, but I cut you off. No, that's
1: just fine. Um, and I, 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 it was you know, and sort of veering towards different art styles within my own art style as well. Um, kind of, kind of broaden my appreciation of different ways of doing things, you know. Because you know, I I draw a certain way, and I'm comfortable drawing a certain way. But when I'm trying to draw like another artist, even though it's my underlying drawing, it's a challenge because it's not natural to how you do it yourself. And so you'll pick up things that you hadn't considered and, and incorporate it into your own style, which is a good way of learning, I think sometimes.
0: Was, was there ever any talk about you doing one of the Age of Apocalypse titles? Cause we, I know you eventually do Chronicles, but in the interim, were you?
1: No, 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 they, they never did. Um, I got uh, the Chronicles one, which was with Howard Mackey, wasn't it? Yeah. And then to be frank, I don't even remember the fact that it was Howard. All I remember is them saying, you know, Marvel, um, do you want to draw it? And I said, yes, because, you know, I wanted the work and uh, and I took it on and it was, you know, a pleasurable experience. Um, I made sure I had a lot of reference. I liked those reinterpretations of the characters, but it was only, you know, flash forward 15, 20 years um, when I was working with Howard on uh, Ravagers at DC that he said, well, you know, we've worked together before. I said, have we? <laughs> yeah. X-Men Chronicles. Said, oh, that was you. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I had no idea. You know, I, I back then I would just take the plot. I barely look at who wrote it. And I, I just, you know, the deadlines were tight especially yeah. during the age of apocalypse so I just grabbed the plot and and power through um and uh yeah when when I started doing Ravages with Howard he was like yeah we've worked together before dude that was awesome <laughs> yeah I was like yeah that, was, that, that, was great.
0: that particular issue of Chronicles is gorgeous I mean Thank it you. is I, mean, I still like the first page
1: with, with Wolverine with his one hand and <laughs> you know, the side-on profile, I, I did like drawing that page, I remember that distinctly
0: And, and the group shot and, and, and that was a mammoth 44 page do you remember, how, how tight was your deadline for that?
1: Pretty tight, they all, always were yeah. and they still are yeah. uh, You know, I, I haven't worked at Marvel for must be 10 12 years something, probably a bit more than that now um, but they were always very, very tight deadlines when I, especially in the 90s. Um, yeah. they're always on very tight deadlines when I was, was working on them. And. Uh, yeah, you, you, ne- you never really had much time to plan anything. It was literally grab the plot, make sure you had the reference. And back in those days, it was physical reference. You couldn't just jump on the Internet and. Uh, no grab whatever you wanted to look at you know it was a case of you either had the comics in your collection or they sent the, uh, complimentary issues to you so that you had all the reference or they faxed stuff or what have you yeah. um yeah and then you just and then you just get cracking because you, you didn't have time to plan things out generally speaking
0: it, it just it's so different it, it, in thinking about how you you guys were working in the '90s because we we were talking to Chris Sims, and and he was saying that you know when he's giving direction to an artist, he'll say something like, "And here we're going to homage the Star Wars fight," you know, right. and 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 because of the internet. You just Google that Star Wars fight, and then you know the artist is able to sort of render that on page. But or, or, or they'll send you a link to it. Yeah, just... or the, yeah you got the link there. You know. have to do anything. Yeah. but but in the nineties you did not have that. It, it, there was nothing
1: like that. it's just it's such a the it's work changed. It's changed completely. I used to have to go down to the public library and find magazines which had stuff you know that I needed to draw, photocopy it on the photocopier there. And then bring it home with me, um, yeah. or go to a, a a bookstore and buy a book that had particular image in it that I needed um, for reference, and then bring it home with me. You know, it was it was literally like that. And I mean, this is, this is back in the days when you couldn't even take a photograph and put it on your computer. I mean, it was yeah. you, you took a photograph back then. You had to send it off to get it developed and stuff. It wasn't like instant photos and like it is today.
0: It's so the way we communicate and the way work is done is so different. It's just, it's just, I look at age of apocalypse and I think what a great run. I I look at your issues. I look at your uncanny run and I'm like, this is just such wonderful, like peak of what I I think is good comic books. And to think it was done probably in a time where everything was so much more or so much harder to communicate and execute. And it's just, it really is. Wonderful. I mean, I even think that also like when I'm trying to find a place. I was like, how how before I had my phone to guide me somewhere, how did I ever find where I needed to go? Especially like in New York City, which is where I live now. Yeah,
1: totally.
0: Totally. Um, all right. So you 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 also came in during the Morrison era and what that was a radical revolution for the Xbox. Yeah. What was the vibe like? So you, you were there for Age of Apocalypse, and now you're here for Morrison, and, and they were doing something so different. What was, what was the vibe like in the X office
1: Well, it's a tough one. I, I, I never spent much time at the ex-office, because I, I, obviously I, I live over here in the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been over to the New York offices once before, when I was initially breaking in. Re- uh, only once before? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I got my first gig, which was The Beast Story. And then I didn't get much work after that. So I went to New York and I did small sample pages and I was going, I had a, a batch of sample pages for Marvel and a batch for DC and I was going to go to <laughs> Marvel first. And if I struck out at Marvel, I'd go over the street and try my try my luck at DC. That's, that's how I had it in my head. Um, Anyway, I, I, I got to Marvel, and uh, I didn't have an appointment. Um, didn't even think about stuff like that. So I just went up to the front desk and said, is there any chance I could come up and see XYZ editor? Um, I knew a couple. Um, so uh, as luck would have it, they let me go up. Um, and I was just hanging out up there. Um, and the reason I got Deadpool is because I was just hanging around the office and i was in Suzanne gaffney's office and she had a bunch of stuff knocking around her her office and there was there was some pages on the side by carlos pacheco from a bishop um limited series oh god looking at those and i was thinking bloody hell that's much better than me i'm never gonna get anywhere and uh And then she said, um, well, we've got this Deadpool thing that's that's not these drawings. You want to do that? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) So that's how I got the work uh, on Deadpool. And that's uh, the first um, time at Marvel offices. And then uh, the second time was, as you said, um, when Grant uh, came on board for the X-Men. By that time, Joe Quesada had taken over as well. and as I recall, how did it go? I got a phone call from Mark Powers, who was one of the um, editors at the time on the X-Men, and he asked me if I'd be interested in taking over Uncanny. And I said, yes, love to. Um, and the next thing I knew, uh, it was all being sort of um, revamped and that it was going to be... Uh, Grant and uh, Frank on New X-Men and uh, me and Joe on Uncanny X-Men. That was it. And uh, we, I got a... What happened after that? So I accepted the gig. And then I was asked to redesign the characters as I saw them. For the uncanny, yeah, and which I did, and I did it in a very sort of like um, traditional way, so to speak. It was still spandex and stuff like that, you know. Was, I think I really did Wolverine in, in more, more of a sort of a, a biker outfit, um, leather biker outfit, more like the movie. Yeah, um, but the rest of them were all, um, I think, still spandex. Anyway. So I did those, and they were just scribbled down in colour on, uh, on bits of um, layout pad and stuff. And then they flew us to New York. So there was me, Joe, Grant, and Frank, and we all ended up in the Marvel offices. Uh, it was the first time I met Joe Quesada as well. Um, so I we j- shook hands, you know, and we, we all said hello to each other and all met each other. Um, and then I'd never met Joe before, but obviously Grant and um, Frank had worked together beforehand and knew each other quite well because they're both Scottish, up in been Scotland. Um, and uh, I remember, I remember Frank getting his, his folio out and he pulled out all these redesigns for the X-Men and they were like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. And I was like, well, nobody told me we were allowed to do that. <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd gone this traditional route, and he had obviously spoken with Grant about what Grant wanted, and what, you know, and, and it had been obviously a joint collaboration. But he pulled out these things, and they all looked totally different. They had like um, they, they were as you saw them in the comic book, um, mm-hmm. you know, the leather, leather outfits and Wolverine with his his, uh, his dog tags and all that sort of stuff. Um, when in, in, in Frank's original um, layouts and visuals that he did for the costumes, it was all day glow yellow. It wasn't like the yellow that you get in comics. It was like the fluorescent yellow that you get like construction workers wear for visibility, high visibility. Yeah. So it, it was, it was um, black leather with high vis, giant X's across and stuff. And, and I, I thought, I remember just being blown away because I'd never seen Frank's stuff before. And I thought, bloody hell, wow, that's amazing. That's gorgeous, yeah, um, it's next level. Yeah. And so, um you know it was it was it was kind of a case of well, that's obviously the way we're gonna go because that that's just terrific um so from then i I had to redesign my characters in that vein, but obviously put my own slant on it slightly but um but chan- channel them more towards what frank and and Grant had come up with, and then uh so yeah so still in new york and then we went down the street oh yeah i, I
0: mean know. i just looking at them here i mean they're just i mean look so at I, that. Took, I took
1: bobby drake in a more of a boy band sort of direction.
0: <laughs> he definitely uh, was boy band it, it's kind of backstreet boys meets bobby drake wasn't it same um, with chamber there by the way
1: it <laughs> was really tricky to draw I yeah was, you know okay. he he was a challenge chamber um but I remember uh, after the meeting, uh, me, Grant, Frank, and uh, and Joe, we all went to a bar just round the corner from Marvel offices, mm-hmm. and had something to eat, a few drinks, and stuff, and just chatting about it all, um, and uh, uh, just coming up with ideas and stuff. And Joe Joe came up with the idea for the the kissing cover. Um, well, you know, you know that. So
0: I'm a diehard Jean Grey fan. I love Jean. That cover. Oh my God. So it, it originated with Joe, but like the way you yeah. do, and And by the way, in talking to you today and understanding uh, the emphasis you put on body language, I mean, it's always been there in your art. And I think that's what subconsciously has always drawn me to your art okay. has been like that, that body language, but like that kiss, it's just, it's so hot. It's so passionate. You, you feel the vibe with those characters because of how they're positioned
1: there. Well, some of that's down to Joe as yeah. well, because, um, you know, like I said before, when I do a kissing scene, I try and make it as different to the previous one that I've drawn or any others that I've seen as far as I can. Um, and we were in this bar and Joe grabbed a napkin and he just did a little stick man doodle and said, this would be a great cover. He says, this will drive the fans nuts if you draw this. And I said, okay, fair enough. So as soon as I got back to the UK, I just did a few sketches and, and pretty much drew that straight out as, it, as, it, as you saw it, as it was printed.
0: What was, there any, what was the reaction from anyone at, at that time?
1: Um, at the time, I didn't get the feedback that you get back, that you get now on social media and stuff. So um, as far as I knew, everybody liked it. Um, and that was that um so I, I didn't get sort of like great job there or <laughs> you know it was, it was kind of, that's my Stanley <laughs> so, no it was none of that it was just a case of I'd done the job everybody was happy with it move on it was you know that's that tends to be the way it's been throughout you know my my um working life in comics
0: well, Uncanny X Men three ninety four guys at home. That's uh, that's the cover we're talking about. It's where Logan and Gene are kissing, and yeah. it kicks off the Uncanny run during the Morrison era. Did you was it your idea to shave Angel's head as yeah. well?
1: Yes, yeah. okay. that was it. Was my idea to give him like a little tiny, yeah, beardy, and uh, shave his head. Uh, I just wanted him to look a bit more distinctive and. His, uh, his outfit, his costume was based on a um, skydiving flight suit, jumpsuit. oh suit. that's interesting. Which is why he, just why he's got those sort of like um, things that come around the arm at the top and it's when you're in formation it gives you something to hold on to mm-hmm. when you're skydiving. I figured that's appropriate you know seeing as he's in the sky all the time and if, if there's an incident in a story when the X Men are falling out of a plane, and he swoops in to get them, There's something for them to all hold on to, and he can, you know, it, it was it was thinking. Whenever I design costumes and stuff, I try and think of the practical applications of them. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, I did that X Men annual, didn't I, with um, the Kitty uh, mm-hmm. and Caliban, oh, and, and at the time, Kitty's costume had these like metal bars that went round her shoulders or something like that. It was just a design element. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if she could hit a button or something, flick out, and she could use it as a weapon or something like that. Um, And that was just something, because as I recall, it was just like, there's this fight sequence, and Kitty ducks and does this or whatever. Um, And I seem to remember trying to make her costume a bit more practical, even though it hadn't initially been designed that way.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the photos here now and you totally, totally were able to encapsulate that. And I love what you were saying, though, about the the fine details you're putting in for the characters. One of my questions was going to be, how is your approach to drawing the X-Men different than other characters? And hearing you talk about the uniform aspect of it mm-hmm. is super interesting.
1: Well, I, 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 yeah, I you know, mm-hmm. that... My approach to drawing the X-Men is no different to how I draw any other superheroes, really. But I always do have the back of my head, the, <clears throat> the way the costumes formed. It always, I liked it when artists started drawing scenes and things on costumes. John Byrne was one of the first that I remember that used to put scenes down the side of gloves and things. And it gave me an appreciation of how this would actually be made if it was in real life I mean yes it's stretchy spandex but you could kind of get your head around how it actually worked it was the same with Wolverine's mask he had um or helmet as I like to call it because there was an issue where he takes his mask off and it doesn't fall apart like a mask it's like he takes it off like a helmet and it's Mm -hmm. and puts it on the side it was he had the brown and orange costume at the time I think it, it was during an alpha flight crossover or something something like that. Mm-hmm. He, he, it might have been the Wendigo thing. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was a Wendigo. I can't remember. Anyway, um, anyway, took, took the, the helmet off and put it down. And I thought that was a neat touch. And the same with um, Alan Davis's um, redesigned Captain Britain. Um, Alan Davis is the only one that can draw the mask right because it's not a mask, it's a helmet. And when Alan does it, he takes the piece off and there's a, there's a bit of fabric that comes up the back of Brian Braddock's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mask clips on and it's, it's got like a squared off kind of shape to it, you know, with the chin bit as well. And it just clicks on and it's, it's like a proper helmet. And pretty much every artist I've seen other than Alan that draws Captain Britain in, you know, in his, his, his re- redesigned Alan Davis costume just gets it wrong they draw it like a like like it's a, a fabric mask rather than a than a helmet or a, um, yeah. like it's got its own integral shape to it but rather than forming to the contours of the face um so he obviously thinks about stuff like that and 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 I've always got that in the back of my head I've, I've got to have some reason why the costume does this or does that or why it's there in the first place which is like I say with the same with um with Archangel's um, grabby bits on the side of his uniform. Um, Same with Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler at the time was a priest. So I just reflected that in in the design.
0: That is my favorite costume for Nightcrawler. Thank you. I have to tell you. And I loved it so, so much. And it's one of the reasons why I also gravitated towards those issues as well, because it just made sense. And it was very, it's a nuance of the character. That is so personal and it just works so well.
1: Mm. I, I loved, I loved. Um,
0: and that was your idea, right? Yeah.
1: The, the yeah, putting a yeah. little color on, on that costume, that whole costume design was mine. Yeah. Um, I liked the, the, uh, the contradiction of Nightcrawler in so much that he was totally overly religious, um, but it looked like a demon. I thought that was a great, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out um he he contrast. A great yeah. contrast. A great contrast um it's not what you'd expect um and i thought i thought that was uh a great play on on on, on the whole night Crawler as a character type thing what was it like
0: working with with joe casey joe casey yeah, yeah joe Gary, casey Gary. We, we got sorry we have so part. many joes here joe casada joe <laughs> casey any yeah, yeah. joe you want to talk about that's a guy
1: named joe <laughs> uh, yeah. um That was great. I I I like Joe a lot. We get on very well um, personally as well as professionally. Um, I've worked with him a few times. Um, Yeah, nothing but good times on on the X Men. Um, I initially I was on uh, signed on. Well, it's funny, you you know. Okay, when I first took the gig, I was under the impression that Joe's and mine. Uncanny X Men was going to be more down the traditional route of the X Men, mm-hmm. you know, and the way it had been going on. And that Grant and Frank's would have been like the more experimental, edgy X Men title. Because mm-hmm. there are only two at the time, weren't there?
0: There are only two. Yeah, there was only two. Well, uh, third with
1: Extreme, with Extreme as well. Right, okay. Um, so that's, that's how I thought it was going to play out. Um, but going down the line, the tone of the Uncanny wasn't gelling with me I got you know, you. I, it was getting a bit too dark for me and, and I wasn't enjoying it as much there's no disrespect to, to, to Joe I mean he was writing the story he wanted yeah. to tell I just I, I, I prefer a lighter touch to, to the story well um, you
0: like the bright I mean what initially drew you were the bright costumes and the colors and now you're okay. doing the complete opposite of that
1: yeah and for, it was it was a double-edged sword for me because it was a dream come true I was working on the x-men um but i wasn't enjoying it as much as i wanted to so i I thought it was best if i just step aside and and let someone else um take over really that it it was it was nothing more than that i just preferred a lighter touch
0: Um, well you're those issues you did so i was looking to see if i had it here i mean they anthologized it in its own trade paperback the poptopia Hmm. which just had your issues in it period
1: Hmm. yeah yeah um which was nice. <laughs> you know, this is always a good thing. Um, and I, I seem to remember Joe and I creating a character, X Stacy or Stacy X or something. Oh yeah, Stacy X, um, which I never got to draw. I I, um, I designed her, um, mm-hmm. but I bowed out just before Stacy X debuted in in the uh, the book.
0: I, and, and, and thinking about how dark and gritty and different the X Men were, Stacey X was sort of is sort of emblematic of that. Mm-hmm. I believe she she appeared recently in Barrier's Way of X, okay. and you know she's she's changed a little bit. But um, I was going to ask you about Stacey X. Funny enough, but I had when I was doing the research for our interview, I saw that she came afterwards, and I thought, oh, you probably didn't have a, a, a hand in creating her, but you
1: did yeah, I drew the original sketches and, and look of her and stuff. I've still got them somewhere.
0: yeah I mean she talking about mutants that pop on the page, I mean she certainly pops
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think it she was changed slightly from my original design when she came to print. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, it, I mean, I can't believe that's 22 years ago.
0: That's insane, man. And, and thinking about how different the X-Men are now, you, you, what are your thoughts on the Krakoan
1: age? On- I haven't read any of it. Yeah. I'll be honest. Um, I don't read a lot of X-Men titles anymore or comics yeah. in general. Um, I'd started to just recently mm-hmm. um, read a few more than I usually do, but it's just getting the time, really. Yeah, Well, it's um, a lot out there right now. Well, that, that's true. There's a, there is a whole lot of different uh, of titles that you know. Back in the old days, you could you know sort of like pretty much pick them all up, but now there's so many to choose from. It's it's tough. Um, yeah, it was
0: we, when we were talking to Jordan Dy, who's the current editor for the X books. You know, he 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 talked about. I think they have an insane amount of titles right now, and. He was like, we don't design every book for every kind of reader. You know, it's okay not to like this book. You can read that book, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, it's, and it's very true. I mean, I have an X-Men podcast and even I cannot keep up with all of that on the monthly basis with time and everything. It's, it's just a very different approach. Whereas in the, in the past, you just had Uncanny, new X-Men. And then you yeah. had like exiles or extreme if you wanted to go in deeper but yeah. your main stories were these two right here
1: yeah and occasionally they cross over but you yeah know,
0: it's you know. fun
1: <laughs> it, was, it was easier to follow but you know uh it's great that there is that amount of variation these days as well also you know so there's somewhat something for everyone you know even you, you can, you can, there's always something that will appeal to someone. Um, So we have a few
0: listener questions. As I said, I was so excited that we were going to speak. And I asked some few folks Mm -hmm. questions and they I'm just pulling them up right now. And they were just so excited. I I thank you so much for taking the time and answering all of these very meticulous (laughs) questions about it. It's funny. I, I forgot who I was talking to. Oh, I'm I'm trying to remember, but they had oh, it may have been Zeb Wells. Oh gosh, I don't remember. But they were like, I'm trying. They're remembering something that they did 20 years ago. And if you ask me what I did 20 years ago, I, I can't even remember what I did last night. You know,
1: and I've, I've got a, a really dreadful memory, uh, but stuff that long ago, some of it really sticks in my head. And like I was saying, you know, when I'm drawing and I'm happy or relatively happy with the result of that day's drawing, it does kind of stick in my head. So, you know, that that Gambit page, for instance, in Cable 20 that we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. that I remember like I drew it yesterday. But like you said, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. (laughs)
0: Well, Um, you had an amazing detail and I am fanboying out at the idea of you, Grant, Frank and Joe And other Joe Casada, Papa Joe Casada, in the same room brainstorming and talking about what would become the Morrison era, the New Mm -hmm. X Men era, and 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 how that radicalized the book. So that that to me was is just incredible. Our our first listener question is: Which X character was the most challenging to draw? Chamber, that's right you did say that you did say that is it because of the anatomy of yeah,
1: i mean you still have to draw the underlying shape of him underneath but it's mm-hmm. getting all that glowing energy right and making it look mm-hmm. good you know because it's there's like so many different people draw the energy in different ways and I, I eventually settled on that sort of like jaggedy sort of like ball effect because i would not seen anyone really yeah, I think Chris Picchello originally drew it, didn't he? Yep, um,
0: yep. he originated and, uh, in Generation X,
1: and and I I based my version of him kind of similar to to Chris's. Um, some people draw it like uh, a zigzaggy thing that comes out, and mm-hmm. it's it's just so open to interpretation. And I wanted it to look, you know, consistent, so I was trying to kind of come up with a way of. Of keeping it contained, but obviously making it look like the energy was sort of um, uh, expanding and contracting at the same time. So that, that was a bit of a challenge. Um,
0: it's very fluid. And I think he is, I mean, I think that era was probably the last time he had a very significant story in the books. Mm. Folks at home do not quote me on that, but the last time I remember a really great chamber spotlight Not that he hasn't had stories, but the great spotlight was that era and and a large part again, is the art you did with him and how fluid the energy looked and it looked very, it it was very captivating.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, You know, I mean, it was fun during Chamber, but and I I get asked a fair amount at conventions for commissions of Chamber.
0: Oh.
1: Funnily enough. um, More more than I ever thought I would.
0: yeah, I, I, Chamber has a huge fan base, and and we love him here. When when you were talking about your 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 Kitty Uncanny X Men Annual, I think it was sixteen or seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I did a quick Google search, and a character who was there, Beast. You Beast. drew him so wonderful in some of those shots, but also when you were talking about X Men Unlimited Ten, I believe that's someone one where it's right before Onslaught, and beast is the real beast is put into like a wall oh, by dark beast dark beast yeah by dark beast and i just want to thank you yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah so so thank you for drawing hank mccoy being imprisoned by his much superior doppelganger dark beast Using so you just like nailed the beast thing today
1: well i did a beast cover as well didn't i yeah for- one of the X-Men issues, Dark Beast versus yeah, Beast and it was on a white background, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, um, yeah, it's so nice. it was
1: that. that was great, I enjoyed doing that. that. was, And I've had to redraw that a couple of times for private commissions and things.
0: <laughs> uh, our, our next question is, was there ever an X-Men or a Marvel pitch that you were a part of or did and it just never went through?
1: No, no.
0: Um,
1: Back in the old days when I was working on the X Men, um, I wasn't in that sort of position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was just a, a penciler that drew the, drew the stories. Um, no, I never did any sort of pitching. I've had a few rejected at DC, um, but no, not at Marvel. There's one. You know, like I was saying earlier, I do like Captain Britain, and I've got an idea for a like a limited series at Marvel. Um, involving Captain Britain, but uh, I haven't pitched it to them yet. It's just something that occurred to me recently. Um, well, I'd like
0: he, to do. Here's the follow-up question, then, because obviously Captain Britain is a big part of the X-Men lore with with Betsy. When uh, our other listener question is, when will we see you on the X-books again? Well,
1: you know, never. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out, but I think uh, I think they've got everyone they need at the moment. If they asked me to. You know, I'd certainly entertain the
0: idea. I, um, I, a Captain Britain mini sounds really good about now.
1: <laughs> well, I like the idea of um, not out of continuity, but not in the current continuity. Instantly that has, there was... Um, I don't know if you've read the Captain Britain collections that Marvel put out.
0: I, I did not. I have not had a chance to. Okay. Our Sorry. co-host who's not here today is a big fan of them.
1: But <laughs> So, but, originally there was... Um, stories by Chris Claremont and Herb Trimpey uh, Trim, how do you pronounce his surname um, and uh, then Captain Britain went through a, a, a few changes and then there was original stories drawn and written over here in the Hulk Weekly and they're in black and white and they've been reprinted in some of the Marvel omnibuses and stuff um, and those stories supposedly take place after Captain Britain's team up with Spider-Man uh, uh, against Arcade and Murder World. Mm. So there is a gap between the end of that story and the, the beginning of the Black Knight, um, Black and White, Captain Britain black, Captain Britain black Knight team up in the whole weekly. And I think there's like a mini series worth of, of stories that could be done to bridge that gap. And I think that would be pretty damn fun to work on. That's what I'd like to do.
0: I, that, that seems like such a wonderful way to end our chat today. Wait, what, what projects are you working on now that, that you can plug? And, and where can fans connect with you?
1: Oh, crikey. Uh, how can they connect with me? I've got a Facebook page. Yes. Um, I've got a website for art sales and um, it's com, i think it is Ian Church, no, i think so um facebook well and that's easy enough to look me up um the picture of me is kind of like yeah. <laughs> so if you see one that looks like me going <laughs> that's probably the right one there are a few others that i've had before that i've got locked out of or i couldn't remember the password or oh. whatever so, so
0: You're preaching to the choir and not remembering any passwords.
1: The the one you need is is the one of me just going kind of of frowning a bit. Um, What am I working on? Oh! Oh, um, I've got an Action Comics annual that I'm working on at the moment. Yes. Um, I've just done an Action Comics cover. I been doing lots of covers for richard starkings and the elephant men just recently um i work on marine man every time i get free moment my own creator own character uh what else do i do what am i doing? i've been talking to jonathan ross about doing another project with him so i've got i've got plenty of uh
0: a lot coming down the pipeline plans in the fire yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> yeah. we love that what- Thank you so much for your time today.
1: You're welcome. No problem, too. Well, thanks,
0: sugar. The age of apocalypse is now over. And we'll see you
1: next time.